Hello. Hey there. And welcome back to 1000 Miles Apart. I'm Takara. And I'm Stephanie. And this is our podcast uh, about two best friends of 24 years who live 1000 Miles Apart. Um, We are bringing you some more Black realness today. It is the trending topic. I mean, I here to say, but it is the topic of the moment. Hopefully, it'll continue to be a topic of the moment. Um, Black Lives Matter. Uh, Steph, there's been so much, so much about. And like I said before, I just want to see the momentum keep going and not die. And for this to be more than just a movement, but an actual push for equality and people to treat us with, with respect and common decency. Like, stop killing us. Right. Just at the very basic level, stop killing us. That's all we ask. So, um, today we're going to try to do some more factual stuff for you where we'll be telling some stories as we know it. Like we've tried to do some research to just talk about a few of the lesser known stories that have impacted black economic prosperity, social um, advancement, and just respect the respect that we're viewed with in society. And I should say in majority white society. Um, I don't even know where to start. Steph, you had an idea, right? Yeah. So in the spirits of, in the spirit of Black Lives Matter, um, Amazon recently put a banner on their homepage and it says Black Lives Matter, Amazon stands in solidarity with the Black community. And Jeff Bezos in Amazon has received some backlash. And if you don't know who Jeff Bezos is, the CEO of Amazon, super duper rich white man. Um, so just wanted to go over some, one of the um, emails that Jeff Bezos shared on his Instagram. So he feels that it's important, wow, which I agree with when they're being racist and there's no, you know, there's no, reason for it there's no like you know it's i'm mad at a specific person because of this reason no no not at all so jeff bezos received an email from a woman named macy titled all lives matter and right so macy tells jeff it is quite disturbing to get on the amazon website and see black lives matter you provide services to more than millions of people, including myself and the rest of my family for our business needs and personal purchases. I am for everyone voicing their opinions and standing up for what you believe in, but your company, excuse me, before your company to blast this on your website is very offensive to me. And I'm sure you'll be hearing for other, from others. And in all caps, all lives matter. And if it wasn't for all of these lives providing their service to, would there be an Amazon today? So Macy's ignorant, my opinion, not Jeff's. <laughs> but Jeff did have something to say back to her. So Jeff says, no, Macy, I have to disagree with you. Black Lives Matter doesn't mean that other lives don't matter. Black Lives Matter speaks to racism and the disproportionate risk that Black people face in our law enforcement and justice system. I have a 20-year-old son, and I simply don't worry that he might be choked to death while being detained one day. It is not something I worry about. Black parents can't say the same. None of this is intended to dismiss or minimize 
the very real worries you or anyone else may have in their own life. But I want to, excuse me, but I want you to know, I support this movement that we see happening all around us and my stance won't change. My sincere very best to you, Jeff. Oh, now that was a professional read if I have ever heard yeah. that. Yeah, my sincere talk. very best to you. I'm going to start ending emails with that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love a good professional clapback. You know, at this point, I'm kind of fed up. At, at this point, I am really beyond fed up. I feel like people have been trying to explain to the All Lives Matter crowd why mm-hmm. saying Black Lives Matter is not exclusive. It's not about exclusivity. It's not about you don't matter. That's not what it's about. It It's almost it's so dismissive and to me it's willful ignorance when in response to someone saying Black Lives Matter, you say All Lives Matter because you're dismissing Black lives and you know right. some people would say oh it's not that serious but it is that serious because you're not blind you have to have seen the things that are happening in this country the way that police interactions with black people continue after so many years continue to be bad you know continue to be excessively violent to the point of death in so many instances as we saw with George Floyd Um, Mm -hmm. George Floyd's life mattered his rap sheet is irrelevant his actions that day are irrelevant his life mattered and to that police officer it didn't matter at that moment to a lot of people who have found it pertinent to bring up his criminal history or what have you you know that makes his life matter less And it's those type of people that will always find a reason to make a Black life matter less. I don't understand why. I do understand, but, you know, I I really want to give them the benefit of the doubt that maybe they're not being willfully ignorant. Maybe they really just don't make the connection to, you know, why would you say Black lives matter? How many times, how many different ways do we have to say it? How many analogies, metaphors do we have to give for people to get it? You know, if somebody is, if somebody has cancer, do I really have to do this? Do I really have to do this? (laughs) If somebody has brain cancer and they need to get treatment, Okay, I think I'm making this one up. I don't think I read it anywhere. If somebody has brain cancer and they need to get chemotherapy for their brain cancer to go away and somebody starts a fundraiser that says, we need to eradicate brain cancer. Please, it's killing people. All cancers matter. All cancers matter. Well, yes, yes, all cancers do matter, but right now we're focused on the brain cancer. All cancers matter. Cancers matter. I don't care what you say. That's horrible. It is. I commend Jeff Bezos for putting these ignorant people on blast. There's another one, too, on his Instagram page that was (laughs) way, way harsher, and I refuse to read it, but... I commend him for standing up against these people because that's what it's about. Inclusion doesn't mean that we have to say all lives matter. It means that I'm going to support this particular issue because Black people are directly impacted by it and I'm an ally with you. I stand behind you. Yes, your life matters. He's not saying Macy that your life doesn't matter too. He's saying your son and my son don't have to worry about being killed by a a police officer, but my black employees or black people in this country in general have that worry and that fear. 
So I commend him. Like I I any anybody who's willing to put themselves out there like that and say, you know what, you can take your dollar elsewhere, go to Walmart.com instead or wherever else ignorant lives matter. <laughs> but but Stephanie, but but maybe black people wouldn't have so much to worry about if they just didn't commit so much crime. I mean, obviously, maybe they didn't have they wouldn't have to worry about these horrible police interactions if they would just stop committing so much crime. Okay. You know, black on black crime is such it's it's a real big problem. Chicago, Chicago, let me scream out Chicago 50 times. All right. So, black on black crime saying that is another way to dismiss the topic. Um, I don't know if we've said this before, but people tend to live within their uh, racial groups. They Mm -hmm. tend to be close to their racial groups. So Black people live with other Black people or, you know, in the neighborhood of other Black people. Typically, white people live around other white people. Chinese people live around other Chinese people and so on and so forth. So... Um, when you live amongst people who look like you, who share your culture, people who um, are going to commit a crime will commit a crime against their closest uh, group, which will be black people. So white people commit crimes against other white people. Black people commit crimes against other black people. So why is it that people insist on bringing up black on black crime as if it's some kind of gotcha when we don't say white on white crime and we don't say um, Puerto Rican on Puerto Rican crime. Like it's stupid. Right. And it's just another way to dismiss what we're really talking about. And that is the fact that police brutality is a huge issue in this country. Um, you know, when they say black on black crime, it's always interesting because they totally dismiss that whole part about the police brutality. Mm-hmm. It's if you didn't get yourself into that situation by being a criminal, and I'm putting that in air quotes, quote unquote criminal, then you would have never had that interaction with police. When we know that p- profiling is a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, racial profiling is a thing. It is not a practice that any police department will actually claim, but it is something that they do. Whether these biases that some police officers hold are, you know, real biases, meaning they don't like Black people, or maybe they're subconscious biases, or maybe it's how they've been taught, because we, like, we see with them. Um, George Floyd, two of the officers that ended up getting arrested, what, a week later, a week and a half later, after, you know, George Floyd was um, murdered, the officer that murdered him was actually the senior officer at the scene, and one of the other officers that stood by and did nothing, it was his first week, or was it his first day? Yeah, something like that. He was there for like three days. Brand new. Mm -hmm. So this is how he was teaching this young man to be a police officer, that he was teaching them that this is acceptable. So, I mean, let's say that, you know, by some miracle, George Floyd ended up living. You know, what kind of example would that have set for that young officer? You know, can you only imagine the kinds of conversations that they would have as he's being trained? It's just insane. I'm sorry. I went off on a little bit of a tangent, but all lives matter people really irk my nerves because I honestly believe the majority of them completely know what they're doing. They know what they're doing and they understand why Black Lives Matter is being said and they don't care yeah like it's not even i i can see your point where you know they're not saying me too me too like they're jumping in to say let's include everyone to matter they're disregarding it to be antagonists in that situation and 
it's it sucks because there's always some group of people that try to shit on gender. You know what I mean? Like when it comes to equality and things of that nature. I feel like black people and Hispanics get it the worst when it comes to being equal in a country that where most of us are born in. So yeah. Like I don't get it. Like to say all lives matter, you don't really when you say that you don't care about racial equality. You just want the Black Lives Movement right. to lose its momentum. Yes. Yep. But it's not going I mean, away. At this, it's not. And at this point, um, we're now two weeks into not just national, but global protests. It's actually amazing to see. Yeah. I mean, there was somebody had... Um, posted pictures from all around the world of protests going on. And it's just so cool because these are people who they're showing solidarity. Mm -hmm. They too are sick of seeing black men, mostly it's mostly black men that suffer. Um, They're sick of seeing black men murdered with impunity. They're sick of seeing police um, beating on people, overreacting to petty, petty things. You know, I watched a video once of a Black man who had, he was just crossing a street and a cop, I, I don't know if the cop was sitting there or whatever, but he aggressively approached this man and wanted to uh, det- detain him to arrest him for jaywalking jaywalking the most ridiculous crime ever okay misdemeanor i don't even know is it even does it even rate in terms of criminal activity but jaywalking okay so maybe the cop that day was just out to to get some revenue get some ticket revenue but the black man that he stopped he was upset he was like are you serious man like you're really, I, I'm. I just crossed the street. He's like, I know how to cross the street. There's no traffic coming. There's no cars coming. He's like, I I crossed the street, and you you giving me this grief over crossing the street. And a lot of times, these cops escalate these situations because their authority is being challenged, and they can't. They don't like that at all. And uh, he ended up tasing this black man over jaywalking and it wasn't that the black man was so aggressive or anything like that he was upset and I think rightfully so Um, Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of all lives matter people think that black people just should stop being upset how dare you be upset the cop has a right to do his job how dare you try to protect your head as is being bashed into the ground? That's resisting, don't you know? Comply, don't die. Doesn't matter how small the crime. It's kind of ridiculous. Not kind of, it is ridiculous. I remember in high school, we used to jokingly say, we're jaywalking as we ran across the street. Oh my gosh, totally we never waited for a light. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. We never waited. And, I no. mean, we, we grew up in a pretty, uh, you know, high traffic, or at least when we were leaving school, we had to cross some high traffic areas. And we ran across the street like chickens. Because if you didn't run across the street when you got a chance, then you would be waiting forever. Yes. To get across those crazy streets. I can't imagine us getting a ticket for doing that or, or being harassed by a cop because we ran across the street when there were no cars coming. And that would be our only chance because the corner was so far away. Right. Exactly. I mean, I I ran across the street in Las Vegas on the strip. Like, if anybody should get a jaywalking ticket, it should be me. But that crosswalk crosswalk was really far away. And 
I'm like, there's no traffic coming from either way. I am going to run across the Las Vegas Strip like an idiot. And I did it. And I didn't get But you know what? It's just, like I said, a minor, minor crime. And it turned into a tasing incident. Um, Okay, so that's All Lives Matter. I don't even know if we really cleared anything up for anybody that might that might not understand why saying all lives matter is dumb in response to black lives matter or why it's ignorant i should say um i don't feel like it's our job to explain to people like i said i'm not giving anybody the benefit of the doubt right now nope i decided i'm not doing it cuz <laughs> black lives matter has been around for a while now. You know, I'm not positive of the inception date of the movement, but it's been around at least since Trayvon Martin was killed. So that's about eight years now. Okay. Sorry. Oh. Pardon the barks. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, if you if you really think that all lives matter is a proper counter to Black Lives Matter, I encourage you to educate yourself before you say the the dumbest response. It's not a clapback. It's not it's not helping anything. And if you truly are a racist, go ahead and continue to show yourself because we're not here to convert you into a non-racist. We just ask that you that you just be racist over there in your little corner. It doesn't right. have, it doesn't have to go any further than your little thoughts that you really don't need to share with the world. Uh, and it's not a it's not a statement of inclusion. It's a statement of trying to shut down something that is very important. Black people have been mistreated from the moment that we were taken from Africa and forced into slavery in America, and it has not stopped since. So we do feel like Black Lives Matter, our lives matter, stop killing us because other races aren't being executed in the street the way we are. Yeah, there was, um, I watched this woman who, I mean, she's really, really good about pulling up her facts and, and things like that. And making her point in the way that's very easy to understand. But she had pulled up these stats that, um, you know, people kind of use the excuse of police are under fire. You know, if police have a right to react in the excessively brutal way that they do, because their lives are always in danger and they're being hunted down and killed, And that's simply not true. It's just simply not true. Um, Police that are actually killed, uh, you know, in the line of duty, as in somebody shooting at them or somebody's trying to ram them with their car or something like that, it's an extremely small number. And when I say extremely small number, I mean like 20 something, maybe for a year. So let's just say in a whole year, maybe 45 police die in the line of duty. About half of those are traffic related. Oh my God. You're fighting. (laughs) Oh my God. This is awful. Okay. Okay, guys. You're being really obnoxious right now. Sorry, Steph. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. I lost my train of thought. You were talking about a woman that you saw in a video. They choose maybe obnoxious or something like that. Oh, okay. Um, so police 
are killed when they're killed about half the time it's because they were in a traffic related accident um meaning that they were struck by a pedestrian or I mean, I'm sorry, they were, they were a pedestrian cop or a foot cop and they were struck by a pedestrian in, in an accident, not on purpose, or they were in like a, a chase scenario and they lost control of their vehicle or they rammed or they crashed or something and they died that way. And then the other 20 something actually die from you know, gun, a gun being shot at them um, or some other type of weapon being used against them. Or like I said, being deliberately rammed with a car, which all of these are very, very small numbers. So no, police are not under fire. Police are not endangered to be killed. And honestly, when they are endangered to be killed, it is mostly white people (laughs) sorry to say it's mostly white people that are attempting to kill them it's not black people um yeah so i i wish i could say what point i was trying to make about that but police don't have a reason to be that fearful for their lives is what i guess i'm trying to say Um, The excessive force is not really necessary. And the fact that they're using non-department authorized chokeholds and I don't know what you call that knee thing, like putting your knee on someone's neck is disgusting. You, You mean to cause harm with that one. You know, these are not department regulated, um, subduing tactics for people. This is something that they do because they can get away with it and they want to cause harm. Yeah. And in the case of George Floyd, that was, to me, the look on that officer's face. I'm showing off for my buddies. Right. You know, like, we're, we're not here for you to make some kind of point that you have control over people. It's a power trip. Oh, yes. Um, so you did mention that just stop killing us is <laughs> the main focus. Stop killing us. And I always bring up stuff that I see on Facebook because I'm real heavy into Facebook um, a lot of times it's about politics, but, you know, the activism side of me is always going to be in defense of Black people, because as a Black woman in America, I may not be able to relate 100% to the plight of a Black male in America, but I understand, because I have eyes, and I've been... Um, I don't want to say a victim, but I have had some of those similar experiences too. And I'm sure you have also, you know, I I think we'd be hard pressed to find a black person that is 30 and and older that hasn't experienced racism um, of some form in their life in, in multiple times in their life at that. Um, when people on Facebook, mostly, probably Twitter too, but I, I don't have Twitter, but when people comment things like, um, Black people are not oppressed, Black people have the same opportunities as everybody else, um, Black people are equal to everybody else, they want to play the victim, they just want to live off the government, um, it's almost, I want to say it's not their fault that they are so amazingly ignorant because it's not like this stuff is taught in schools. No, it's taught at home. It's taught at home. And if you have white parents who believe or who actually are teaching you these 
ideas about who black people are then of course you're not learning it at home um we just have a few examples of just black people trying to live and trying to overcome the many different hurdles of a systemic systemic racism in society um for at least the last hundred years, it's almost like Black people have tried to create or they have created and they're doing good for themselves. And then racist white society gets angry. How dare you advance yourself? And they do something to squash squash that upward movement. Uh, one such incident i guess you could say that's really minimizing it but the tulsa race massacre or black wall street Uh, i think a lot of black people at least are learning about black wall street Mm -hmm. i'll just read an excerpt that i pulled from online just for anybody that's not aware of what it is um let's see So it's Tulsa, Oklahoma, and it's actually a massacre that happened on May 31st, 1921. Um, Black Wall Street was actually Greenwood Avenue, and it was in a predominantly, well, let's just say it was 100% Black neighborhood. Um, It had a population of about 10,000 Black families, Black people, who were prosperous. You know, they were self-contained. They had businesses. They had everything that they needed. Farmers, businesses, hotel, even Black-owned hotel, newspaper, everything. They were self-contained. They didn't need to do business with white people, meaning they didn't need to give their money, their hard-earned money to white people. You know, white people were used to getting that Black business and being able to treat Black people however they wanted to treat them. Um, And when Black people started being able to do for themselves, they became envious of that. Um, And there was one thing that was a catalyst for this whole massacre, forgive me for not having the actual reason why this whole thing went down. But um, I'm just going to read these excerpts. It says, before the Tulsa race massacre, where the city's black district of Greenwood was attacked by a white mob, resulting in two days of bloodshed and destruction, the area had been considered one of the most affluent African-American communities in the United States for the early part of the 20th century. The massacre, which began on May 31st, 1921, and left hundreds of Black residents dead and 1,000 houses destroyed, often overshadows the history of the venerable Black enclave itself. Greenwood District, with a population of 10,000 at the time, had thrived as the epicenter of African-American business and culture, particularly on bustling Greenwood Avenue, commonly known as Black Wall Street. A thousand houses destroyed. So this is what I try to explain to people. And it's like you have to go back in history when you try to explain these things to people who want to deny that Black people have been oppressed or Black people, Black, nobody alive today was a slave. It's not even about slavery. We could take it there if we want to, but it's not even about slavery. This is after slavery, the oppression that continued to Black people. You know, a thousand houses destroyed, a prosperous neighborhood wiped off the face of the map. And, you know, of course they tried to cover it up, hide the history of it, but how do you hide that? Right. And what's crazy is like, this neighborhood thrived for about 15 years before this even happened. So you can only imagine the people who weren't a part of it, the white angry mob, you know, they had time for their, their envy to fester. 
and for them to see, oh, we're not getting this dollar. Oh, they're doing good. You know, they're they have they had um, different black figures that would come to their their city and and see it and spread the word and encourage people. You know, we can do this too. We can move here or we can build it for ourselves in other places. Didn't make a lot of people happy that weren't black. I mean, it's really hard to imagine that people could be so envious that they would completely obliterate a, a whole town. But it goes to show how very little they thought of Black people. They didn't care. They didn't care that, you know, this is why when I say Black people are behind, like so many other ethnic minorities um, are actually doing better than Black people, at least socioeconomically. You know, why is it that Chinese or I can say Asians in general um, do better in this country than Black people? Um, what is it about Black people? Don't say they're lazy. Black people work very hard, mm -hmm. very, very hard for what they have. But it's a matter of us being in this country for so many years, um, almost as long as white people, you know, we have, African-Americans are established. Like we have generations of family here and we have nothing to show for it. We don't have generational wealth. We have nothing. And it's because of things like redlining, you know, relegated basically to ghettos or to bad neighborhoods because we were not permitted to live anywhere else. Um, horrible mortgage practices, loan practices, where we got outrageous interest rates. And believe it or not, that still continues today. Black people get offered outrageous interest rates, even when they qualify for better interest rates um, at, or they have equal credit scores to white people. Yeah, there's studies done on that too. Believe it or not, um, it's just crazy. You know, how do you obtain generational wealth when everything you earn and you work for gets yeah. destroyed? And that goes back to what I was telling you the other day, like about the town where my parents and your dad are from like in South Carolina where it's a, it's a black town. There's like a handful of white families that have eventually made their way into that town, but it's a black town where pretty much everyone is a descendant of, a descendant of slaves. The slaves are basically left there one day and the white people never came back and they're like, Oh, it's ours now. And there's so many people who own land there, but there's so many shady things being done by the government in South Carolina to try to strip that away from people, like crazy taxes for when a majority of the people there don't even use the sewer. They have their own, um, what's it called, septic tanks that they, they pay for the maintenance on. And, you know, they when I was growing up, they didn't even, my grandmother didn't even have her water coming from the city line at, for like a while when I was growing up. She had it hooked up to a spring. Yeah. So it's like crazy. Like they every time, in my opinion, every time they try to thrive, you have different businesses, um, you have stores, clubs, Diff just different things going on there that they have within their own community and eventually cops come through and do a, like a bullshit raid and you guys are, are running drugs out of here where how did you get the, the this in inventory in your store uh, you know like all kinds of different things down so it, it goes back to the to this, this racism that we were talking about where you they there's people trying to find loopholes Black people from moving forward and maintaining 
the the wealth that they're building to be able to pass on to generation to generation. I pray that, you know, I have something on both sides, my mom's side and my dad's side, with all the land that they own, still always this ongoing just force trying to snatch it all away like we didn't build this ourselves and we don't deserve it no matter how hard right. we try to build up you know our business land is super duper um you know it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of monetary value in land and to be able to say i can pass to more value and as long as it stays in the family you know that that's a part of building generational wealth to be able to pass on land be able to pass on property be able to pass on businesses and it's sad to see that we don't always get that fair chance because of some kind of loophole or predatory practices so I know my, my, my story wasn't on my I mean, mind, but it's it's similar no I I I just feel like you know there's so many different topics to be brought up in regard to systemic racism that it's is natural we're going to kind of be all over the place but I wanted to touch on something that you you mentioned that police would come in with these bullshit raids um you're running drugs through here so we now know that the war on drugs is really a war on Black people. Um, this is, I want to reiterate again, this is, I mean, it really irks me when people try to frame Black people who are bringing up facts about the way we've been treated through history, um, recent history too. This stuff did not happen 200 years ago this is stuff that happened in the 70s and it i'm talking about the war on drugs specifically right now Let's another fight. it's got a sorry sorry it's 10 10 pound it's guard passionate. dog <laughs> it's um hey relax relax I think I'm gonna give him a treat. Ugh. I shouldn't give him a treat when he no, barks like, like this, right? Recording. But we are recording our podcast. I just want. <laughs> I know. I just want him to be quiet. I can't put a "do not disturb" on the dogs. <laughs> Um, okay, he's calm now. We we got about 20 more minutes to go. I'm sorry, you're gonna be editing, gonna be editing some stuff out. Um, all right, so again, the war on drugs. I want to read a couple of excerpts that I pulled up about the war on drugs, which is a war on black people. Um, I it's a fact. We have it verified that this was the point of the policy was to tear Black people down. And it's like, in the 70s, why? We had just come out of the 60s. Well, the civil rights um, movement where it was in you know, the era of peace and love and all this other stuff. And we were in the seventies where it's just supposed to be party time. And here we are having the government like really conspiring to tear apart black families. So anyway, um, in 1971, the Nixon administration launched the war on drugs, resulting in increased arrests and harsher prison sentences largely aimed at Black people. Former Nixon domestic policy chief John Ehrlichman, later 
um, he confirmed, this is a direct quote from him, we could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings, and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Um, So this is something that they meant to do, and it's like a bigger scale. It's from a small scale to a big scale. They are basically saying they could have government agents, police acting as government agents, whatever, go into Black neighborhoods, go into Black churches, go into Black meeting areas, and under the guise of breaking up drug rings or something like that, and arrest people. And we know that they planted drugs and things like that. You know, there's a reason these crazy movies that people so love about police corruption and stuff exist. This, a lot of that stuff actually happened. Okay. Anyway, um, he confirmed that the effort was designed to hurt black families. Um, the Clinton administration's 1994 crime bill also resulted in many more black Americans being rounded up by law enforcement officials and put in prison from 1980 through 2015, the nation's prison population climbed from roughly 500,000 to more than 2.2 million with black Americans making up 34% of all inmates, according to the NAACP. Only 13% of Americans identify as black, according to the U.S. Census. Black people are still experiencing police brutality and dying because of it. According to the research group Mapping Police Violence, African-Americans are 2.5 times more likely to be killed by a police officer than a white person. I mean, come on. All this under the guise of a war on drugs. How many black people have been killed for supposed drug infractions? Um, police with their so-called sting operations to take down these low-level drug dealers. How many people's homes have been raided in no-knock raids and, you know, they've been killed or maimed or brutalized and the only thing the police find is an ounce of weed? All of this is... It's all stemming from Nixon's deliberate policy to attack Black families. And we're still continuing it to this day. How Breonna Taylor was killed. How? I mean, mean, make off of this bogus ass warrant to find narcotics in her home and got shot up. How is it that the. I think it was a detective that asked for the warrant. He lied about the warrant. How is it that he's not in jail right now? He lied about the warrant. The suspect, I believe they were looking for two different suspects, were already in custody when he got that warrant. And, I mean, to top it all off, please, if anybody's not familiar with the Breonna Taylor story, please look it up. Um, is another tragic, unnecessary death at the hands of overzealous policing, okay? This, to me, it comes off very much like a deliberate execution, like the police were trying to send a message to someone. I don't want to dive into the conspiracy theory side of it, but it just seemed so, like, how do you fuck up that bad? How? How do you fuck up that badly? I mean, like, it's, it's just insane. It's crazy how there's so many insane. parallels, not to harp on slavery, but there's a lot of parallels in the war on drugs and what happened in slavery, you know, where they would separate families on purpose. At, and they're different in you taking a black man away from his family because of drugs and charging him more harshly than a white person who would have had the same amount or whatever, and you keep him away. Or now the institutional slavery. And that's part of systemic racism. No, I was just saying, and that's part mm-hmm. of systemic racism. 
Like, this is where people have to connect the connect the dots. I'm yeah, sorry for interrupting. Go ahead. Slavery. You know, your prisons are paid, but you're not paying these inmates. If they get any money for any of the jobs they have in prison, it's pennies on the dollar. You know, been enough to buy a ho ho from the from commissary. You know, they're they're not the they're not being given uh-huh. in many cases basic human needs or whatever, and they're not giving fair sentences. So you just keep making money off of them. So the more you have, the more you can, you know, get this free labor out of to do random things. And you know, it's just it's like a vicious cycle that we're trapped in because people make laws to keep us in, trying to put things back, in my opinion, put things back the way they were. I mean, the school to prison pipeline, these things aren't just liberal phrases, talking points that, you know, politicians just try to frame black people as perpetual victims. School to prison pipeline is a real thing, okay? A student, a a 13-year-old student, I mean, Steph, how many times do we see fights in school, okay? We saw fights all the time. It's a bunch of teenagers, hormonal teenagers, and they would be fighting over something stupid and petty. You know, it, it was never anything that serious, Maybe somebody said your mama about something, and you know your mama right. meant you better start throwing hands. You cannot talk about somebody's mama, but it was never anything serious. You know, somebody, two guys would start fighting in the middle of the hallway. Teachers would run up, break it up, and they would usually both be suspended for like three days or something, and then that would be the end of it. They come back to school and a lot of times they ended up being friends after a while. But now, as we see with these children, and when I say children, I mean babies, these little kids damn near still have womb mm-hmm. juice on them, six, seven, eight, I know, six, seven, eight years old. How is it a school policy to call police on a six, seven, eight-year-old having a temper tantrum. I don't care if that child tears up the whole classroom. What could they possibly, oh, she broke all the crayons. She pulled out all the plastic cubbies. It's going to take me a whole 15 minutes to clean this mess up. So it's not about not making a child accountable for their actions, but it's the Mm -hmm. fact that they are a child and they're still learning and they're still ruled overwhelmingly by emotions okay a kid can drop a fruit snack and have a full-on meltdown and you want to call police on that child they have no control over their emotions they they don't understand why police would be called on them you know they start crying i i watched these videos where these this little girl started crying hysterically. And then there was one video where the little girl was completely calm. She was completely calm as police were taking her to a psychiatric. They were having her admitted. I'm, I think the school was having her admitted. But the police were driving her to a psychiatric facility where she was kept on an involuntary basis for a 48-hour hold. And her mm-hmm. mother wasn't even notified. How does that make sense? How does that make sense? And the child was calm in the police officers that were taking her. Um, you know, one of them kept saying, she's fine. She's fine. You know, what's, you know, she's fine. Because the girl was like, can we stop for a snack? And the officer was like, no, honey, we can't stop for a snack. And she was like, okay. I yeah. mean, this is what kids do. How how does even but this is where the school to prison pipeline starts so you make minor things that children do you turn them into crimes and they end up in the juvenile system and once they get stamped 
as a problem, whether their records are sealed or not. Once you put that label on a child of criminal or bad seed, it follows them. You know, you actually have police that will know a child from the system. It will actually target them. You know, this whole stop and frisk thing, it's not just New York. Other places do that. They just find more creative ways to do it. Oh, Jerome, what you doing over here, Jerome? What you doing in this neighborhood? You still selling? Jerome's 16 years old. Why are you even talking to him without a parent? You remember back in the day when they would um, have us go in school? Um, No, what school did you go to? (laughs) But no, like... I did not if in visit any jails. Had the boys go to the men's prison and the girls were supposed to go to the women's prison, but for some reason we didn't. But the men, the boys definitely went to the men's prison. And then in high school, they had this, like it was, I remember being on a field trip because my uncle was the chief. And I'm like, hey, what's up? And, um, <laughs> but yeah, we went <laughs> to um, the city jail and they showed us, they put handcuffs on us. To show us how how it would be wherever arrested, they talked to us about how to act if we were ever by a cop and what we should do. Almost like teach and reinforcing these laws. Like if you're stopped by a cop, you just stand there and let us do what we need to do. Hurt you, but if you resist just a smidge. Right. Don't you dare flex the right. Like they, I remember them tightening the handcuffs on my wrist. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. I won't resist the rest. Yeah. But can you imagine, do you, can you even imagine while white children in suburban schools are worrying about trying out for cheerleading and track team and trying to study for quizzes or whether or not they're going to be invited to somebody's birthday party they are enjoying blissful oblivious life meanwhile the black children who live 20 miles up the road are getting tours of jails and what makes it even worse is that it's sanctioned by the black parents you know maybe I don't remember that because my mother probably would not sign a permission slip for it. You know, that very well could be the reason why I don't remember it, but I definitely do not remember visiting a jail. Our co I don't remember who was on the field trip when we went in high school, but I definitely remember going and uh, like training us, this is your future, is how it felt to me when I told my mom about it. And she was not very pleased. But even though, you know, but I don't think that it was described in the way that it went down when that permission slip came out. But I say that, of course, we, we went to school in a predominantly black area. And I don't think I could get a tour of your local city jail to say this is where you could end up one day, kid. No, I I can say without even knowing for a fact, but I can say that they absolutely don't. Like white kids do not get the scared straight treatment. And, you know, going back to, well, not going back to staying on the topic of unequal treatment, while we're getting, while our children, or while we were kids, Black kids, getting tours of jails and being told how not to resist arrest, um, meanwhile, that same idyllic white child situation where 
you know, they're not experiencing that kind of uh, aggressive pro-police, I don't know what you would call it, but, you know, pro-police or grooming tactics for how to deal with police. As you can see, they have their own problems with drugs. You know, I mean, and that's the stuff that you don't hear about, but we've known, like, I, I feel like I grew up knowing about that. It's like, you know, the police stay in our area and they stay chasing our black boys around the neighborhood for selling weed or something like that. They stay doing that. Meanwhile, the teenagers who live 20 miles up the road in the nice neighborhood are ODing on heroin in school. Okay, we have whole cities that are known for their kids ODing on heroin. And nobody talks about that, but it's a, it's a epidemic now. It's an opioid epidemic, not to minimize it because it absolutely is a problem. But when there was a war on drugs, it wasn't a problem. When the CIA introduced crack cocaine into black neighborhoods, it wasn't a problem. It was just a way to fill these jails up. And then you know, you have the plight of the Black woman and you have society (laughs) talking about welfare queen and Black single motherhood. Well, how did she get that way? How did she get that way? Maybe because you locked her husband up for 20 years because he got hooked on the crack that you introduced into the neighborhood. And And yeah, you're right. Nobody made him do it, but nobody's making these white children in suburbia inject heroin either, but they are treated vastly different. Yeah. I feel like we didn't even scratch the surface of these topics. Like systemic racism definitely deserves a part two because there's just so much to get into with it and if we keep going we'll probably be talking for like the, the next two but hours a lot about of our it topics, even just crazy talking about coronavirus um you know dealt with it so about it again I'm open to listening to it yay yeah i mean it's it's just interesting to me how Black people have been in the news a lot lately, and none of it is for good reasons. Um, Like you said, coronavirus, Black people are disproportionately dying from it, uh, getting sick from it. And then we have the Black Lives Matter protests. Um, And then we have the George Floyds of the nation that we want to bring to light so that, you know, people know this is happening. I'm, I'm actually glad that the protests are still going on. Um, I think there's a false narrative going on in the news right now, or at least they're promoting the narrative that these protests, I think the media is just not doing a good job of distinguishing between peaceful protests and rioting and looting. Um, Not to start a brand new topic, but I just wanted to mention how annoying that was, that either the media is not doing a great job of distinguishing between it, or people don't care to distinguish between the two. Uh, rioters and looters are, are outliers, okay? The majority, overwhelming majority of protests have been peaceful. And many of those peaceful protests, especially in these major metropolitan areas, have been met with violent police pushback. Um, we've all seen at this point the elderly white man who's like 75 years old who was standing there And he was saying something to, I think it was Buffalo Police Department. They were 
armed up in this tactical gear and he was standing there and he was a protester but he wasn't aggressive but you could tell he was saying something to this officer and he got shoved and he cracked his head on the sidewalk like an egg and started bleeding out of his ear and there was a public outcry about that which is it's right that's how it should be and was that officer fired or was he just suspended i think he might have been fired but this is this is the way it should be. This is why I say I'm all for the protest. I'm all for it. People are still home because of coronavirus. A lot of people are out of work because of coronavirus. Oh, people have time for this. And they're sick of the shit. So I guess going back to one of the first things I said is that I'm actually really happy to see so many people show solidarity with the movement because I thought Black Lives Matter was going to just die a sad death in as a movement. You know, when the fraternal order of police tried to frame them as domestic terrorists, I thought, that's it, it's over. As a racist group, I thought, okay, it was a, a blip for a second and now it's done but it has shown a great resurgence and I'm glad for it and I think because we need it right now my point about how do we keep the momentum going we keep having these conversations because that's definitely something I feel will get us going in the right place if we don't want people to forget that black lives matter we have to keep reminding them and our platform is definitely one of those ways that we plan on keeping it going, keeping the conversation going. Absolutely. Like I'll I'll never be tired of talking about black problems or black issues or whatever. You know, that it it's pertinent. Obviously, we're two black women. You have a black husband right. and three black sons. Yes, it's important now, to us. Black. blackity black 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 okay (laughs) (laughs) um so i guess that's gonna wrap up this episode of 1000 miles apart um please Listen to us on all the different platforms that stream podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Anchor. I'm sure I'm missing a couple, but they will be listed on our Facebook page, 1,000 Miles Apart. Keep the combo going on our Facebook page. Um, We're new to Twitter. I don't really care for tweeting, but we're there. (laughs) It's a lot. It's a lot of work. But thank you very much for tuning in. Um, And we appreciate you, you know, taking some time out of your day to spend it with us. And that's all I got. I've been Stephanie. (laughs) And I'm Takara. Bye.